If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're interested in LA, or maybe you're planning a trip, and you probably have questions, lots of questions. Circa's new concierge feature will change how you travel. You can connect with us directly through the Circa app and we'll put you in touch with your very own local concierge to ask any questions you have. No matter when you're traveling, let us help make your trip to Los Angeles one to remember. For a limited time only, the Circa Concierge is completely free. So download the Circa app from the iOS app store and connect with us. You've got questions, we've got the answers. Circa, love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Circa. In this Start Here episode, we'll be listing a lot of places, people, and incredible things in Los Angeles, California. This is a primer episode, a snapshot. We'll be getting into the city and its food, its history, attitude, and culture, plus where to go with your kids or without them. We're going to tell you a lot, but don't worry. There will be maps, notes, and info on the places mentioned in this LA guide in the Circa app. You can also listen to all the other episodes in this LA guide for deeper dives into LA's food, history, crime, music, and so much more. So, whether you're in Los Angeles, heading there right now, or sometime in the near future, or would just like to learn all about this starstruck city, we got you covered. Sit back, put your headphones on, and enjoy the ride. Let's go to Hollywood. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. It's early. In the east, the sky is starting to show shades of light green and pink. But to the west, the horizon is still deep and blue. And that's the direction you're heading. To the ocean. You start your day with a stroll on the sand and a paddle out into the chilly Pacific. There are dolphins jumping as you ride your board out to the break. The waves are coming, the surf is salty and refreshing, and the sun is rising now, bathing the whole scene in magic orange light. After your surf or swim, it's time for breakfast, which LA does better than anyone else. You dive in for some epic brioche French toast with strawberries grown on the restaurant's patio. And maybe a mimosa if you're cheeky. You've earned it. You're feeling good now, fed and energized and like you've already accomplished something with your day. You hop in your convertible Mustang rental, fold the top down and blast the music. You point the car east and head for the snow-capped peaks, a mere two hours drive from the sunny sand on the coast. 
By midday, you're 7,000 feet high on Big Bear Mountain, and you're strapping on skis or a snowboard. It's a Los Angeles classic, surf to snow. After a few hours on the slopes, you're pretty tired and ready for a meal. So you watch a brilliant sunset from the mountaintop, head back to town and swing in to eat the best Mexican food you've ever tasted. At least you're so hungry, it sure seems that way. You're far too tired to go out properly, but with your convertible, you can still cruise the Sunset Strip like a boss and take in the lights of a star-powered city. My name is JJ Duncan. I'm a television showrunner and executive producer. And if you listen carefully, you can hear my voice narrating the opening of certain seasons of Project Runway. I love to travel. In fact, I produced The Amazing Race for many seasons and I got to travel the world, but I live here in Tinseltown. I've worked on sets and in studios and on location all over this city, and I'm excited to tell you all about the Los Angeles you don't see on TV. Getting around. Rent a car. Please rent a car. LA is a car city. There's an entire museum devoted to cars. It's called the Peterson. We'll get to that in a minute. The need for a car is so central to the identity of Los Angeles that it features as plot and character in movies of all genres. In Sunset Boulevard, the story kicks into gear when the repo man comes to take Joe Gillis's car. Remember who framed Roger Rabbit? Well, the entire evil plan revolves around building the L.A. freeway system. And of course, there's speed where Sandra Bullock's character ends up on a bus and in mortal peril, all because she had her driver's license revoked. People here are judged by the kind of car they drive. It's why you'll see an outsized number of Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and Teslas here. You can even rent a $300,000 luxury car if you want to play like a Kardashian for a day or two. Black and white rental has everything from BMWs to Bentleys. But practically speaking, to get where you need to go efficiently, just plan to have a vehicle. Los Angeles does have an ever-expanding metro system. It's modern and usually pretty clean, but this is a sprawling city and the metros will simply not take you everywhere. Buses too thread throughout LA, but be prepared for long journeys if you're traveling on a bus schedule. Car culture exploded in LA in the 1920s when road construction took off and the people fell in love with the automobile. It changed the relationship people had with their city, where and how they shopped, where they worked and lived, and why LA grew out instead of up. The first drive-through restaurant was founded here. In-N-Out, which is still family-owned, opened a replica of the original hamburger stand drive-through in Baldwin Park. You can check it out Thursday through Sunday. So while LA is not a walking city, there are wonderful neighborhoods to stroll through. Beverly Hills, Los Feliz, Larchmont, and West Hollywood. Santa Monica, Venice, and Toluca Lake. By the way, I know where to stay is a big question when you visit LA, so I'm going to put my full neighborhood breakdown in the notes, because here there's something for everyone. The city is bordered by the Pacific Ocean along the west coast and with vast stretches of desert to the north, east, and south. By the way, technically speaking, the actual city of Los Angeles is not very big. When people refer to L.A., they're generally talking about the county of Los Angeles, which is huge. (laughs) Don't worry, this will all make sense in the end. And in the meantime, GPS is your friend. 
For most visitors, Los Angeles can be defined by the Hollywood Hills that slice it in half. On the south side of the Hollywood Hills lies the areas of Beverly Hills, Hollywood, Santa Monica, and the famed Sunset Strip, which cuts through West Hollywood and many other high-profile neighborhoods. On the north side of the Hollywood Hills is the San Fernando Valley. We just call it the Valley. Many of the famous Hollywood studios eventually moved to the Valley because the land was plentiful and cheap and perfect for building large sets and sound stages for TV shows. The hills are filled with the lavish, gated homes of actors and executives in the film and TV business, which locals simply call the industry. Just a reminder, we're going to throw a lot of names and places at you. Don't worry about taking notes. Check the notes in the Circa app. There you'll find all the lists of maps and itineraries and all the resources you need. But for now, just listen and enjoy Los Angeles. It only rains about 33 days per year in Los Angeles, and almost all of that during the winter months. In the summer, you're likely to never feel a drop, even when it looks like rain. What you're really seeing at that time is the marine layer, a thick, low layer of clouds that rolls in over the city in the morning, and it burns off by afternoon. Clouds or not, it will get hot. Summer temps are often in the 80s Fahrenheit, and they can spike to 100. It depends a lot on where you are in the city. The coast can easily be 20 degrees cooler than in the valley. In the winter, on very rare occasions, you can see snow in some neighborhoods, but don't count on it. Most winter temps are in the 60s during the day. Because Los Angeles is technically a desert, just a well-appointed one, the temperature just plummets as soon as the sun goes down. The story of Los Angeles is not just about Hollywood. Okay, a lot of it is Hollywood. Los Angeles as a town was officially founded on September 4th, 1781, by colonists from Spanish Mexico. A few dozen people formed the first residence of the town of the Queen of Angels, as it was called. They lived in the area that is now Olvera Street, it's a bit of a tourist destination with Mexican-themed shops and restaurants, but also a magical Dia de los Muertos celebration if you happen to be in town at the end of October. Obviously, there were already residents in the L.A. area at this time, Native Americans, and it was the mission of these colonists and the governors who sent them to convert them into Spanish subjects with all the religious and cultural, well, conversion that went along with it. Fast forward 100 years, California and Los Angeles specifically became a destination for residents from the cold northern states. The sunshine was marketed as a healing balm for the sick and anxious. It became clear around the turn of the century that the sunshine which L.A. had in droves was inversely related to the water that it didn't have. In the early 1900s, an enterprising water engineer named William Mulholland came up with an idea to build a massive aqueduct from a lake up in the Sierra Nevadas down to a reservoir outside of L.A. William, by the way, got a street named after him and a movie, Mulholland Drive. It's one of L.A.'s signature roads, which curves through the Hollywood Hills. And if you're downtown, check out the courtyard around City Hall. The story of Mulholland's aqueduct is carved into the walls. This story is also the inspiration for the film Chinatown, a fictionalized version of the water wars that the aqueduct sparked. It's a controversial 1970s classic, a film about L.A., not just set in it, a brash murder mystery, and much like the city, multi-layered. After the aqueduct arrived, L.A. had water, and with water came growth. 
Enough growth to support a whole new industry, the movies. The first film ever finished in Hollywood was an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo, all the way back in 1908. From there, the industry exploded, bolstered by good weather, cheap labor, weak unions, and the feeling that in Hollywood, anything was possible. These days, the unions have more power and the labor isn't so cheap, but the weather is still good, if a bit smoky over the summer. And most importantly, the dream is still very real. Which brings me to an important side note if you aren't from here. Everyone is an actor. Your waiter is an actor. Your tour bus driver is an actor. Your barista is an actor who's writing a screenplay on the side. The valet driver is producing a short film. Your surf instructor is also a stand-up comedian. Everybody wants to be in the moving pictures. And some of them will be. So don't insult the industry, at least not out loud. It's the stuff dreams are made of. Now, to some other pieces of L.A.'s history that are a bit more complicated than I could ever cover here are definitely a third rail in some conversations. I'll give you the basics just so you don't put your foot in your mouth, but these are topics that are deep and messy, and you should know the bare minimum when you visit some of these places. I'll also put in some good links in the notes. Number one, Little Tokyo. If you head downtown to East First Street between Central and San Pedro, you can see where the very first Japanese restaurant was established in the 1800s. In the late 19th century, the American government barred Chinese immigrants from coming to the U.S., and Japanese immigration soared. A section of downtown L.A. became a mostly Japanese neighborhood, nicknamed Little Tokyo, and grew into the largest Japanese immigrant community in the United States. That is, until World War II, when thousands of Japanese were shipped to internment camps. Their businesses turned over to non-Japanese Angelinos. When they came back, many had nowhere to come back to. To complicate things even further, many of those homes were given to African-Americans who were encouraged by the L.A. mayor at the time to move into the neighborhood. For a few years during World War II, Little Tokyo was temporarily renamed Bronzeville. Today, Little Tokyo in L.A. is one of the very few Little Tokyo neighborhoods still in existence in the U.S. Number two, Koreatown and the L.A. riots. The L.A. riots in 1992 began at the intersection of Florence and Normandy in South Central. The violence spread quickly, and one of the most heavily damaged neighborhoods was Koreatown. A year earlier, three white police officers had savagely beaten Rodney King, an African-American man. His injuries resulted in skull fractures, broken bones, and brain damage. It was famously caught on video. A little over a year later, in April of 1992, the officers were acquitted. Within a few hours, the rioting had started. By 9 p.m., the mayor had declared a state of emergency and the National Guard was called in. The riots lasted five days. 63 people died, and among the hardest-hit neighborhoods was Koreatown, in part because a year earlier, a Korean store owner had shot and killed an African-American girl she thought was shoplifting. The powder keg that was building among the black, but also Latino populations in Los Angeles, exploded. The damage was massive, and the consequences leached deep into the fabric of the city. Two years later, a jury would be impaneled in the trial of O.J. Simpson, a trial that stopped time in America. The defense would flip the tables on the prosecution by putting the cops on trial, white cops being accused of framing a black man. 
We'll tell you more about the trial heard around the world, plus a handful of other crimes that could only happen in L.A. in the Dark City episode of this guide. Before we get too dark, let it be known that overall Angelinos are a tolerant group, but in America, immigration is a hot topic. In L.A., it's chiefly immigration from the Latin American countries south of the border, and the undocumented people are a nuclear football that no one wants to catch, even though they drive the California economy. It's a political, racial, and social catch-22. But here's one of the benefits of having all the film studios in your backyard. There are movies, documentaries, and TV shows about all of these things. And you can Netflix and chill your way through a course in L.A. history because there's nothing that Hollywood likes more than a story about itself. Check the notes in the app for our L.A. watch list. Some of the most visited places in Hollywood are built only to celebrate Hollywood. And these places are iconic. So let's talk about how to do them right. The big experiences you shouldn't miss. Sprawling, wicked Los Angeles always lands in the list of the top 10 most visited cities in America. 50 million people come every year. Like many who come, you might want to see the homes of L.A.'s rich and famous. You'll want a tour guide, so take a bus or hire a professional. Don't buy a cheap map. You won't know what you're looking at. And besides, most of the places you want to see are hidden by giant hedges and tall gates, and a good guide will know where to go for the best view, and they'll be able to point out where scenes from some of your favorite movies were filmed. If you want to go it alone, we'll help you out. In the app, there's a map of some of L.A.'s most well-known locations, like the fire escape Julia Roberts climbs down in Pretty Woman, or the church where Whoopi Goldberg sings in Sister Act, or the funicular car that carries Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone in La La Land. Aside from the fancy homes, celebrities are, as they say, just like us. You'll often spot them at coffee shops and farmer's markets. Keep your eyes open. You won't see them on Hollywood Boulevard, strolling Rodeo Drive, or at Grauman's Chinese Theater. In fact, you won't see many Angelinos there either. These are truly places for tourists, but you should see these places anyway, just to say you've done it. It's also worth noting, before we continue... L.A. is not a very dangerous place, but there are less glamorous neighborhoods that you don't particularly want to hang out in at night. If it looks sketchy, it might be. It's safest not to find yourself in these neighborhoods on your own. Also, about 66,000 homeless currently reside in the city. 99% of them are lovely people who ended up in horrible circumstances. It's not recommended to hand out cash, give your money to a reputable charity instead, but most homeless people will gladly take food and water. And remember, everyone's got a dream. Back to your dream. First, Hollywood. For a stretch of 15 blocks around the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and Highland, you can stroll along the Walk of Fame. More than 2,600 gold stars are laid into the sidewalk to commemorate Hollywood's royalty. The first eight stars were unveiled at the corner of Hollywood and Highland in 1958. They include Burt Lancaster and Joanne Woodward. Spot them if you can. Hollywood Boulevard is not a particularly shiny place. The sun beats down in the summer. It's hot, sticky, and a little smelly, but it's legendary. Take a minute to have a stroll. Marilyn Monroe's star is just east of Highland in front of a McDonald's. While here, you can stop to see Grauman's Chinese Theater, which first opened in 1927. It wasn't the first theater in L.A. It wasn't even Grauman's first theater, but it was by far the grandest. 
Outside the front doors, you can put your hands in the imprints made in the concrete blocks by the likes of Shirley Temple and Katharine Hepburn and Michael Jackson. You can still see a movie there, and that's worth it, to sit where the stars have sat for ages. L.A. has some spectacular places to see movies, as it should. For classics, indies, and special editions, we recommend these historic houses of cinema. On Hollywood Boulevard, The Egyptian, originally built as a palace for silent films. The Arrow in Santa Monica, constructed by the Douglas Aircraft Company in 1940. The New Beverly, now owned by Quentin Tarantino. And my personal favorite, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, for outdoor summer screenings surrounded by the mausoleums of Cecil B. DeMille, Bugsy Siegel, and the Ramones. For this last one, book online ahead of time. Popular films sell out weeks in advance. Bring a picnic and get there really early. People line up for good spots hours ahead of time, and kids are welcome. Speaking of movies, the Dolby Theater in the Hollywood and Highland Complex hosts the Oscars. Every year in February, this block of Hollywood Boulevard is completely shut down for two weeks leading up to the event. It's a traffic nightmare, but nothing stops Hollywood from honoring Hollywood. Here's a secret about those stars on the Walk of Fame. These days, they're for purchase. Enough money and the right PR agent and the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce will sell you a little square of prime real estate. Real estate, by the way, has always been a big deal out here. The historically wealthy people in L.A. did not make their money in the moving pictures. They made it in land deals. That's what the famous Hollywood sign was actually for. The very first version spelled out Hollywood land and was put up as an ad for a housing development. The land part of the sign eventually fell down, but Hollywood remained, and here it stands today. There are many good views of the sign. Driving north on Gower Street, for instance, gives you a straight shot, or head up into the hills via Beechwood Canyon to Lake Hollywood Park. It's nestled right under the sign. Check out our L.A. Outdoors episode for how to visit the L.A. Reservoir that you'll see when you get to the park. If you are looking to hike up to see the Hollywood sign, the trail that's best for kids is the Mount Hollywood Trail, which leaves from the Griffith Observatory parking lot. The other trail I recommend is called the Bush Canyon Trail. Park in the lot on Canyon Drive. This is over six miles, and it can be hot out there, so pack water, but you'll pass by Adam West's Bat Cave at the Bronson Caves. Also, watch out for rattlesnakes. Next stop on the You Should See This list, Beverly Hills, where the median home price is well over $3 million. The BH is actually its own city. It has its own police department and fire department, its own mayor, and its own city hall, which was featured famously in the 80s classic Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills is also home to some of the ritziest shopping in Los Angeles, and plenty of that can be found on Rodeo Drive. It's about four city blocks long between Santa Monica Boulevard and Wilshire Boulevard. There you'll see beautiful windows and some of the world's premier couture brands, Cartier, Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, YSL. It's also home to the world's most expensive menswear store, or so they claim, Bijan. It's by appointment only, but outside the shop you can get your Insta on with the custom yellow and black Bijan Rolls Royce that's parked out front. Speaking as a local, the best Rodeo experience is at Christmas. The neighborhood glows with Christmas spirit, and every year a massive lighting ceremony takes place at the top of the season with a stage show, music, food, and acrobats. Tour buses will take you down Rodeo and let you wander around the park-like space on Santa Monica Boulevard to take pictures with the Beverly Hills sign. But 
if you really want to enjoy this slice of Los Angeles, there are a couple of small Beverly Hills parks that are where the locals hang out. One is Coldwater Canyon Park at the base of the Hollywood Hills, which has a small man-made stream running through it. The other is Roxbury Park at the south end of Beverly Hills, which has barbecue grills, an excellent playground for kids, and a community center with a library. We'll mark these in the notes for you. Also, one of the city's secret gems is the farmer's market on Sunday morning on the streets behind the Beverly Hills police station. It's often visited by celebrities in sunglasses and Panama hats because they can wander the stalls largely unbothered. But every so often you will see paparazzi. If you want to act as cool as the Beverly Hills locals, you will be thoroughly annoyed at the photographers. The Los Angeles coastline is epic. Sandy beaches stretch for miles from Malibu in the north down past L.A. and the Orange County community of Laguna Beach, all the way to San Diego. The most popular and easiest to reach are the beaches of Santa Monica and Venice. In Santa Monica, you can stroll along the Third Street Promenade, which is an outdoor, pedestrian-only shopping street just a few blocks from the water. You can hit the Santa Monica Pier, which is a classic wooden fairground, L.A.'s answer to Coney Island. Boardwalk games and rides, a Ferris wheel that lights up at the beachfront, and your typical beach-style concession stands. Follow the beach path about half a mile from the pier, and you'll soon arrive at Venice Beach, which has a very different vibe. It's a bit grittier, a bit less polished than its neighbor to the north. Here, street performers, buskers, and merchants line the shop fronts. You can get everything from hemp jewelry to Kobe Bryant portraits to magic crystals. Along the way, stop and watch the skateboarders at Venice's excellent skate park. Some of them are incredible. After all, skateboarding was born in Venice in the 70s. This was the era of the Z-Boys who used to trespass through backyards and skate in empty bowl-shaped swimming pools. The skate park was built to honor that legacy and keep kids from breaking and entering. A little south of the park is Muscle Beach, an outdoor gym on the sand. Arnold Schwarzenegger worked out here when he first moved to L.A., and Venice Beach has one of the best surf breaks in the area. So if you come out early in the morning, you'll see rows of seal-like surfers dressed in wetsuits, catching waves that reflect the rising sun. An excellent L.A. beach experience is to rent a bike and ride as much or as little of the bike path as you want. Bike rentals can be found at Joyride, just south of the Santa Monica Pier, for about $30 a day. If it's summer, best to reserve your bike in advance. We will put a link in the notes. Also, keep in mind, on a warm weekend day, the beach parking lot fills up fast, especially in Santa Monica. So go early or be prepared to hunt down street parking and walk a few blocks. And while Santa Monica and Venice are great, my favorite place to just hang out for the day is Will Rogers Beach. It's up the coast a bit, but is often much less crowded. For now, another kind of beauty and some air conditioning. Most people don't think of it this way, but Los Angeles is a world-class museum city. American masters like Liechtenstein and icons like Picasso and Cezanne have work hanging in the museums here. LACMA, along Los Angeles's Museum Mile, is L.A.'s premier fine art venue, with a collection of work from Southern California, exhibits from around the world, including Diego Rivero's portrait of Frida Kahlo, and a spectacular assemblage of fashion. Plus, LACMA's urban light installation on the museum's Wilshire Boulevard side, composed of 202 restored lamp posts, is perhaps L.A.'s most Instagrammed location. For more spectacular locations, head west to the Getty Center. 
Perched high on a hilltop with a wonderful collection of photography and sculpture, line drawings, and over 400 European paintings from before 1900, this is also a killer sunset location, and the Getty has a cafe, bar, and exquisite garden to wander through. Back along Museum Mile are a couple of only-in-L.A. spots. We will put these in the notes, too. One, the Peterson Automotive Museum, with its truly unique architectural design that was meant to evoke the ribbons of highway that defined Los Angeles. It holds a collection that includes the Batmobile and James Bond's Aston Martin. Buy your tickets online ahead of time. Sometimes availability is limited. Across the street from the Peterson is the Academy Museum, celebrating nearly 150 years of Hollywood history with costumes, music, art, and images from your favorite films, plus R2-D2, E.T., and more. Finally, on the east side, perched up high in L.A.'s giant Griffith Park, is the Griffith Park Observatory, a smaller museum celebrating space observation. It includes a wonderful planetarium. Definitely see a show here. It also has telescopes open to the public, which are obviously best after dark. But conveniently, this is another perfect picnic and sunset view. So now you're sunburned and cultured and rested from lounging in parks and on one of the 15 beaches L.A. County has to offer. You're ready to take on Southern California's pride and joy, Disneyland. Hi, everyone. Circa's recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The House of Mouse and more. If there's one thing L.A. does better than anyone else, it's a stage setting. In the L.A. area, including Anaheim, which is about an hour drive south, you can visit Universal Studios, Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags, Legoland, and, of course, Disneyland, the very first Disney park ever. Now, there is a lot to say about Disney, so I won't try to cover it here. Except for this, weekends are going to be the busiest, and the lightest crowds can generally be found during the week in September and October. We will have more on L.A.'s amusement parks and on all the best things to do with kids in our L.A. Play Here episode in this guide. Universal Studios is the closest park to L.A. proper and has a super fun backlot tour that passes through real working sound stages, which are often in use filming various TV shows while you're on the ride. Take the older kids to Six Flags for physics-defying roller coasters and take the younger kids to Legoland, although this one is pretty fun for everyone. Who doesn't like Legos? Knott's Berry Farm, populated by the likes of Charlie Brown and Snoopy, is south of L.A., but not as far south as Disney, and makes a great day trip. 
The pro tip here is to grab some of Mrs. Knott's legendary fried chicken from Chicken To Go for the ride home. Mmm, fried chicken. The coolest food scene in America. L.A. is one of the most exciting places to eat in the U.S. All of the best stuff is original and completely unoriginal at the same time. A city of imported tastes fused together to create marvelous new flavors. An entirely meditated, concocted, feng shuied, and hybridized cuisine. Sometimes called New Californian. Very Hollywood. Food in L.A. is marked by its freshness. The best possible produce. And so, one of the quintessential L.A. experiences is the farmer's market. Every morning, farmers, big and small, truck in freshly picked produce to markets across L.A. On any day of the week, you'll find a market somewhere in the city. But the biggest ones are Hollywood on Saturday and Santa Monica on Wednesday and Sunday. Go early. Most markets open officially at 9 a.m., but the L.A. chefs get in at 8. Pretend you're a chef. Get in early and pick from tomatoes in 50 different colors, tiny finger limes, juicy pluots and nectarines, sweet corn, creamy avocados, crisp greens and herbs, plus artisan cheese, bread, baked goods, and coffee. And always tamales, burrito-like presents made of corn masa and filled with cheese, meat, or vegetables, handmade in Abuelita's kitchen and dressed with any number of homemade salsas. An exquisite L.A. breakfast. Some of the best food you'll eat here doesn't require a reservation, but it does require some discerning tastes and a willingness to be a bit adventurous. Trust me, it's worth it. Here are a few pointers. Number one, tacos. You come to L.A., you gotta have tacos. It's a big thing. Breakfast tacos, lunch tacos, dinner taco, after-club tacos. Tacos are magnificent, and there are a million different ways to do them. The important thing is that the tortilla is fresh and soft. Street tacos, bite-sized tortillas with a bit of carne asada and some onions, Fusion tacos, like Korean barbecue. Vegan tacos, stuffed with sweet corn and jackfruit. Traditional tacos, filled with crispy chicharrones, fresh grilled fish and cabbage, or al pastor pork shoulder with fiery serrano chilies. Big and small, simple or extravagant, there is a taco for everyone. That's L.A. Number two, dessert. Los Angeles is a city of style and trends, and nowhere is that more evident than sweets. People here love a fashion-forward dessert. They are essentially an accessory. For a while it was cupcakes, then bespoke ice cream, cake pop boutiques, French macarons, donut concoctions of all kinds, gelato, and the undeniable cronut. Do dessert just in small portions, like the stars do. Number three, try new things. If you stick to the stuff you know, you'll miss out. Los Angeles does perfectly fine burgers. In-N-Out is a cut above your typical drive through Ask for your burger animal style, which is code for special sauce and grilled onions. There is an ever-growing artisan pizza scene and lots of places to get a fine steak if that's what you're after. But truly, the secret to eating well in L.A. is to audition new flavors. Los Angeles is a treasure trove of truly excellent tastes from around the world. 
You could spend weeks sampling international specialties you've never tried. The neighborhood of East Hollywood is home to Thai Town. A bit south, you'll hit Koreatown and its bounty of Korean barbecue joints. Then on to Little Tokyo for noodles of all kinds. Then a neighborhood full of El Salvadorian pupusas. And after that, an entire village packed with Armenian food. There's also a strip of Fairfax Boulevard near Museum Mile, which is home to Ethiopian restaurants. And then a bit further west on Pico Boulevard are the kosher joints. There is a delicious pocket of Persian and Middle Eastern in Westwood. South of the city is a Vietnamese stronghold swimming in pho. And out east in the San Gabriel Valley neighborhoods of Alhambra and Monterey Park, there are some of the most authentic Chinese restaurants in America and an epic soup dumpling pilgrimage. If it exists in the food world, you can probably find it in Los Angeles. And of course, everywhere, there is Mexican food. Really, really, really good Mexican food. Everywhere. Everything from not-at-all-Mexican, Tex-Mex, to deeply authentic, slow-cooked moles. If the food looks good but the signs are in a language you don't understand, don't be scared. This is the stuff you want. No one in L.A., by the way, will bat an eye at special needs, food allergies, or requests for vegan options. Don't be afraid to ask for it. The waitstaff may have an attitude, depending on whether that's acceptable as part of the restaurant's atmosphere, but nearly everyone will accommodate. With one exception. Sushi. Angelino's takes sushi very seriously, and everyone you ask will have a favorite place, maybe two. At the best sushi places, you'll want to order omakase, which means, essentially, you don't get to pick. The chef will serve what is fresh, delicious, and almost always simply prepared with a sauce that is exquisitely balanced. Quick note, for more on sushi etiquette, listen to the L.A. Eat Here episode, where we'll have plenty more tasty secrets of the city to offer. So, while sushi is delicious and can be exceptionally trendy, if what you want is to travel back to Hollywood's golden era of celebrity haunts, here are some can't-miss staples. Musso and Frank, a leather booth martini and steak type of joint with some legit old-timey dishes like jellied consomme. Weird, but good. Dantana's, an L.A. industry mainstay. Giant plates of Italian-American staples like scampi, chicken marsala, and veal parmigiana. The Ivy opened in 1983 at the height of Gordon Gecko's greed is good decade, and it's still a paparazzi hangout. Go for the people watching, not the food. There's another Ivy outpost in Santa Monica, but the one on Robertson Boulevard is the original. Chateau Marmont is still charming and the location of many a scandalous Hollywood tale including the end of John Belushi's life, Lindsay Lohan's $46,000 room bill, Jean Harlow's affair with Clark Gable, and Scarlett Johansson's hookup with Benicio Del Toro, although they occasionally deny that one. There's nothing quite like it. Go for lunch or dinner on the patio or drinks at Christmas time near the fireplace and make a reservation. You'll need it. Even if it's empty, the staff will only seat you without one if you can prove your Hollywood pedigree. Also, dress the part here. Want an L.A. secret? There are wineries in downtown Los Angeles. I know it sounds crazy, but downtown has some of L.A.'s most gratifying surprises. Try Angelino Wine Company next door to Chinatown. All the wine is produced right there. The tasting room is open on the weekends. And before we move on from food, something to note. 
L.A. eats early. Dinner service starts around 5.30 or 6 and wraps up around 10. Plan to eat early, then go out for drinks, hit a show, or try out the clubs after that. For the midnight munchies, there will be taco stands and food trucks and Cantor's Deli open round the clock right when you need them. So with all of that in mind, the high class and low cost, the street food, the trendy places to be, there are going to be some associated rules of fashion. Even the dive bars have kind of a dress code, but it's an L.A. dress code. The fine art of being cool. So by now, you're starting to get the picture. Los Angeles is both large and larger than life. But always, there is style. Like tacos. Remember, there's a taco for everyone? Well, the same is true for fashion. There is almost nowhere in Los Angeles where it is unacceptable to wear sneakers. With this caveat... They must be very cool sneakers. Don't go sauntering into Spago in your dusty New Balance and think you won't get eye rolls from the Too Skinny Hostess. If you need help picking out some kicks, visit the original Undefeated storefront on La Brea Avenue. Fashion in L.A. is casual, but it takes a lot of effort to look that careless about your look. Individuality is rewarded. The more unique, the better. Thrift store threads, vintage rock show t-shirts, silicone-lined neon jumpsuits. Bring it on. For some of the best in thrift and vintage, visit Decades or Resurrection on Melrose, or go hunting on Sunday at the Melrose Trading Post, which sets up in the Fairfax High School parking lot. Specialty artisans, indie designers, and vintage collectors sell everything from mid-century modern furniture to members-only jackets to rare and collectible records. Now, to have a quintessential L.A. night. Fire up that rented convertible once more. Get your hair blown out at a dry bar. Cruise down Sunset Boulevard along the Sunset Strip and take in the lights and the parties spilling out of the bars. Maybe stop into one, listen to some live music at the Rainbow Room, have some laughs at the Comedy Store, or ride the Mechanical Bull at Saddle Ranch. And then drive Sunset all the way to the ocean and turn right. Take the Pacific Coast Highway along the coast to Malibu and stop off at any turn between Malibu Canyon Road and Magoo Rock. Stand on the cliff's edge and watch the stars sparkle over the ocean. Outdoor Paradise Now, let's get back in the car, because you're not just going to drive that beautiful rented convertible around the city. A road trip is an L.A. must-do. We'll have a whole episode on the quintessential L.A. road trip in our Drive Here episode, but here's a cheat sheet. Along the coast, drive the PCH north along the ocean, stop in Malibu and have lunch at Duke's, get the fish tacos. Keep going if you like, and spend a day or an overnight in Santa Barbara. Stroll the quaint downtown and do some shopping. If you're heading north, perhaps you want to stop and sample one of California's prize exports, wine. Even if you're only going as far as Malibu, you can still picnic and taste wine at the Malibu Vineyard. Or if you find yourself in the Santa Barbara area, you can follow Route 33 inland for about 45 minutes through the canyons and arrive in Solvang, 
a Danish-themed town on the edge of the Santa Inez wine region. The Alexander Payne movie Sideways, which won an Oscar and was nominated for four more, was filmed right here. Stay in Solvang for the night, have some authentic Abelskyver pancakes for breakfast, and explore the vineyards where you can not only try Pinots and Viognets and Syrahs, but also honey, lavender, apples, goat cheese, and whatever else comes from the land. These are the vineyards I like best, but there are plenty of others, too. If you're heading south, maybe looking for a bit more arid atmosphere, you can stop by the Temecula Valley for some lovely Spanish Trempanillo. But if it's desert you're after, you'll want to go east to Palm Springs or a bit farther to Joshua Tree for some camping under spectacular night skies. All of these excursions are great for kids, by the way. Even the vineyards will often have rolling meadows to play in or animals to hang out with while you, the responsible adult, enjoy your tasting. La La Land with Little Ones. Disneyland and Universal Studios aside, there is plenty to entertain kids and parents at the same time. We've already spent plenty of time talking about the outdoors, because, of course, and you could spend your entire week at the beach and be perfectly happy, but don't. Take yourself and your kids to see the Endeavor Space Shuttle at the California Science Center and spend the afternoon next door at the Natural History Museum. And if it's spring or summer, get tickets to the live Butterfly Pavilion. Go horseback riding in the Hollywood Hills through Griffith Park. Swing on the ropes course and tackle the climbing wall in Culver City Park. And if you want something off the beaten path, try the Bob Baker Marionette Theater on the east side in Highland Park. Super weird. Maybe even a tad creepy, but it's absolutely an L.A. institution, and kids do love it. Puppets not your speed? I have no judgment, I promise. If you're on Hollywood Boulevard up near the Walk of Fame, take the kids to a movie at the Disney-owned El Capitan Theater. It's across the street from the Chinese, and it shows kid-friendly movies with a live show beforehand. Also, definitely check out the calendar of shows at The Hollywood Bowl, an outdoor concert venue second to none. Concerts, shows, and sing-alongs run from April to November. Bring blankets and a picnic and go early, like at least an hour before the show starts, because it takes plenty of time to negotiate parking and the uphill hike to the theater, but also because there's lots in the bowl complex to check out, and you're going to want time to set up your picnic and hang out before the sun goes down. Key to note, the bowl lets you bring in your own alcohol, so that bottle you bought in Santa Inez is going to come in handy. And lastly, an experience that's easy to overlook but shouldn't be skipped. Nearly every hotel has a rooftop bar, especially downtown and along the coast, and nearly all are open to the public, as long as you're wearing at least clean and casual clothes. Hotel Irwin in Venice is a local favorite. Hotel 60 in Beverly Hills is a well-kept secret. And the Roosevelt on Hollywood Boulevard is old Hollywood royalty. The early Oscars were held here at this hotel. While it has a poolside bar and not a rooftop location, it's still pretty incredible. Pop into one of these, have a cocktail, watch the sunset, maybe take a swim if there's a pool. There are lots of ways to have a perfect LA day and only a few rules. Be bold, try new things, wear cool shoes, show up for your own dream as well as everyone else's, and always, always, always eat tacos. Thanks for listening to this Start Here Los Angeles episode. 
Now that we've beckoned you to this glamorous city, remember to check out the other episodes in this guide for deeper dives into LA's music, food, the great outdoors, and the dark side of Hollywood, plus much more. Whether you're heading to Los Angeles right now, sometime in the near future, or would just like to learn all about a place I truly love, you'll get instant access to the full guide, plus new episodes on a regular basis when you subscribe to Circa. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app where you can also get pictures and maps and notes on everything in this episode and more. Maybe you'll want to sample our guides for London, Barcelona, and many, many more, and many more to come. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.